I hold my breath, jump in, and open my eyes. Through the blur, I make out rocks, seaweed, and periwinkles. If only I could swim here forever. Welcome to the Nature of Phenology, where we share the cycles and seasons of the outdoors. I'm your host, Hazel Stark, and this episode was written by Joe Horn. At a time when I was growing up and shaping my identity ever deeper around trees and the things that live among them, I had my first taste of sailing on a pond outside Bangor. There was something effortless yet athletic about hauling in the main and sending the little craft skipping across the pond like a well-tossed stone. After years of being unable to shake the grip of that sensation, my partner and I found ourselves owners of a cute little sloop which we named Tidemouse, and were ushered into a wilderness wholly different from the trees, mountains, and streams of my terrestrial haunts. And while the seals and seabirds did their best to welcome us to their realm, it was the harbor porpoises that had us most transfixed. A close, peaceful encounter with a wild creature in its element makes it hard to feel anything but enchanted. And that is exactly how we felt the first time we saw a pod of three porpoises far off Tidemouse's port side. We watched in near disbelief as their slippery gray backs disappeared and reappeared in the waves. On a subsequent outing while at anchor in a small, shallow cove, we had chanced to see a mother and her calf feeding for the better part of an evening around our little boat while we wined and dined on our own terrestrial fare as we watched the sunset over Blue Hill. Harbor porpoises are small cetaceans, or whales, specifically lumped in the group of toothed whales known as odontocetes. Their name is a rather silly amalgam of the Latin word porcus, meaning pig, and piscis, meaning fish, despite being neither pig nor fish. Their coloration is countershaded, with dark gray backs, lighter gray flanks, and white bellies, throats, and chins. This allows them to camouflage from their predators and prey alike, whether they are viewed from above or below. Their snout, or rostrum, is blunt, and their back is graced with a short triangular dorsal fin. By whale standards, harbor porpoises are tiny, averaging a mere 5 feet long and weighing only 120 pounds. Unlike their dolphin relatives, they are shy, generally stay away from people, and rarely ride in the bow waves of boats. For being fairly common visitors to harbors, bays, and fjords throughout their global temperate range, harbor porpoises are still rather a mystery to us. We know that during the summer months they stay in protected coastal waters as they hunt migrating schools of pogies, mackerel, squid, and pollock, among other fish. In the winter months, we are decidedly less sure of their habits. They seem to leave the coast and head to deeper water, perhaps in search of areas that aren't likely to freeze, or perhaps in search of schools of fish wintering offshore. Their population is another mystery to us. There have been many attempts to get an accurate count of their population, but with such a wide distribution, this has proved difficult. Attempts to count their population in the Gulf of Maine has been better, but each count seems to have wildly different results, ranging from 37,500 to 74,000 porpoises. Scientists aren't really sure why there is such variation in results year to year, but they believe it may have to do with the shifting availability of their most important food source, the Atlantic herring. Globally, there is a sense that populations of harbor porpoises may be declining, which would make sense because the fish stocks they rely on seem to broadly be in decline as well. 
Aside from shifting prey availability and uncertainty around the general health of our oceans, the single greatest threat to harbor porpoises is entanglement in sink gill nets used in commercial fishing. Recently, however, regulations in the U.S. have placed restrictions on where and when sink gill nets can be used, which has shown a dramatic reduction in porpoise bycatch. So this weekend, you could head down to your nearest shore, be it rocky, sandy, muddy, or piled high with seaweed, and take in the sights, smells, and sounds of the largest wilderness on Earth. Perhaps if you are lucky, you might be greeted by a porpoise or two dashing through the waves on the hunt for herring. You can download this episode and find a link to our blog with the transcripts, photos, information about podcasting, and more by visiting archives.weru.org. Thanks for listening, and please join us next week for another dive into the nature of phonology.